Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Catch new episodes of The O Show for free, available on all audio platforms, including Apple, Spotify, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio. For full video versions of the podcast, head on over to YouTube and StarWorldWideNetworks.com. The O Show is presented by Mayweather Boxing and Fitness. Mayweather Boxing and Fitness is an inclusive, high-intensity fitness experience developed by the champ Floyd Money Mayweather himself. The best group boxing workout in the market, Mayweather Boxing and Fitness. Since I'm used to being on the other end asking questions, I'll ask this one. Uh, this has been a four-year gig, and that's, that's incredible. <clears throat> it's, it's really remarkable that you could get that kind of master's degree yeah. in doing this in a place like this. So making the assumption this is not your end goal, what would be the ultimate fantasy job? Fantasy job? Um, Anything. Well, again, I did go for broadcast journalism. I do play-by-play commentary for sports, which I love doing. I love acting. Uh, I love this. If I can monetize this to the point where... Narrow it down to one one single fantasy career, not necessarily a job, but a career that you're going to do for the next 25 years? If I had to pick one, it's this. It's what? It's this. Well, no, but this is at an internet um, network that may be the direction that broadcasting, narrow casting, is going to go to. Would you do this instead of doing The Tonight Show? Mm. Or would you do this instead of doing um, a, a Sunday morning news show? I'm saying, pick a thing. Is it this? Is this the ultimate zenith? I'd, I'd say I'd pick this over The Tonight Show, just because it's a different dynamic, and I feel like we can actually have a close, you know, genuine conversation. As opposed to being on the air, which is great. It's just, you know, different. Like, you got producers in your ears telling you things. Money, though. That, that is fair. I think you, you answered the question because you know the Jack, uh, the, the Dave The passion Pratt, part of it. The Dave Pratt is listening right now. <laughs> I mean, again, like, if you get to a point like Howard Stern on the radio where you have a ton of sponsorships, like, the money's there, you know? It's, it's going to be tough. If, if you don't care anything about dignity... Okay, that is fair. He has, a, he has a unique, and that's why he's, I think, made it. You know, like he's controversial in a sense. I'm trying and to think tasteless. of other ones. That, so you're not a big Howard Stern guy, I no. take it. Not at all. No, because I think tasteless is cheap. Mm-hmm. I think you, anybody, anybody can come in and describe coitus uh, on the air mm-hmm. uh, for radio or television appreciation. Mm. Uh, I do know one thing that I will always remember is he invited, now this was radio, I don't know whether he was only on in New York at the time or not, but uh, this is when I got my Howard Stern turn-off button stuck. He invited 
women, young women, and he was going to pick one to come up to the studio. And I don't know whether he just said, and you have to do anything I say, uh, or I'm going to ask you to do a strip tease routine. And you're on the radio. So mm -hmm. me, my staff, were the only ones who were watching. But we will be looking. Yeah. And maybe appreciating, depending on the quality of your uh, seductiveness. Mm. And so a young girl, I'm saying late teens, early 20s, comes up, strips. He describes everything that's going on and then calls her father. He then calls wow. her father at home. See, the invitation alone was one level of tastelessness. Mm. Uh, he's the guy, he's the guy that I didn't necessarily want to be seen hanging around with in school. Mm. Uh, again, not because of, of clever dirty jokes, yeah. but that kind of stuff, not my taste in entertainment. Now, why do you think that worked, though? And still kind of works for so oh, many years. Well, what works? Are you kidding? The, yeah. The, the more tasteless you are, the more attractive you mm. will be to a certain element of the audience. Yeah. Now, you will also turn off a huge a number lot, of people. Yeah. I thought he was an extremely clever judge on uh, America's Got Talent. Mm -hmm. Totally out of his realm yeah. of specialty. But he did a, a really good job, and he was respectful of the acts, and he was funny. Mm -hmm. See, I think anybody who's really, really funny, um, originally clever, new stuff you haven't heard before, you don't have to do F-bombs. Mm -hmm. The guy that comes out and starts a routine, and I'm in a club, and yeah. he starts, and he starts with a. I'm not shocked. There is no word that I can think of that I haven't heard right. before. No, it's just. Oh, is that where we're going? Right. You just lost my interest. Mm -hmm. That's all. Oh yeah, I completely understand that. There's uh, so many media outlets today that are very ronky. Yeah. And then you see like the, like big sports guy. There's ESPN, ultra professional. They have fun, but then there's barstool sports today. And they're targeted for that young frat boy like audience. Targeting the least common denominator, yeah. right? Uh, and if I do that, and if I show you pictures that I took in the locker room, uh, but I was over at the Jets game, and I took I took these photos, and nobody knows that I took them. So you're going to be the first ones to see naked bottoms of interior linemen. You know, well, there will be people standing in line mm, to watch. Yeah. Not me. <laughs> no. I'm ready. Excuse yeah. me. <laughs> you realize you are interrupting <laughs> naked bottoms of interior linemen. Okay. <laughs> the Jack O'Hara show and uh and we can talk about naked bottoms in uh, uh, 
uh, in locker rooms, if yeah. you like. We can talk about anything. Uh, yeah. I may lie, and you'll never know. That's that, that showbiz for you. You'll never. <laughs> that showbiz. Dishonesty. You know. Dishonesty on the stage, impossible. <laughs> <laughs> the world will never know. One more question before she says, this is it. Did you also like acting? I do. I like dabbling in it. I like directing as well. I, I wrote a few scripts. Okay, so, so I come from an acting family. My daughter's an actress and has been since she graduated from USC. I mean, on stage almost constantly. Really? Except during the, the pandemic. Right, right, right. But, but there is a career field that isn't, that isn't as consistent as this is. Are you, do, do we really have to start? <laughs> I wanted to, I do a half an hour of my daughter. We can honestly just continue on air, Joe Rogan style, just go right into it. Oh, uh, uh, there's, there, there's another guy. There's another guy, a lot of class, Joe Rogan. Not a, you're not a fan of him either, wow. No. Okay. Yeah, we can unpack all of this. And the, and the reason is for the same reason, and that is, and that is, no, you don't need to do that to get my attention. Yeah. You don't need to stand up, drop your pants in front of the convent uh, in order to be on the front page of the newspaper. There are other ways. Mm, yeah, I agree. Kinda. Kind because again, it's a different era, I feel like. People are more attracted to wronky behavior. I don't care. No, but I don't care what they're attracted to. No, no, no I'm not saying I I'm am. Sorry, like, I, I personally am not like that. I, I also honestly don't care if they want to listen to uh, any of those guys. I would never tell you what's wrong with you. No. Yeah. That's what you cho I choose another direction, that's all. Oh, I, I agree. I, I pride myself on being a professional. As a, like, if someone told me, like, go on air and just showcase your ronky style personality, mm -hmm. like, I'm just not about that. Remember, that's not who I am either. Dropping your pants in front of the convent—that's always a good example of uh, of what you do when you run out of material. <laughs> Isn't that right? Oh, I was directing this to our technical staff. <laughs> when are we going on? I've been ready for 25 minutes. Thanks, Zach. Let's go. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the O Show Podcast, episode 408. We are presented by Mayweather Boxing and Fitness in Scottsdale, Arizona. You got two more weeks to pay for a membership, an inner champion lives inside us all. And at Mayweather Boxing and Fitness in Scottsdale, it offers you an authentic experience for those who want to learn from Floyd Money Mayweather's techniques and training regimens. Again, you got two more weeks. They haven't announced an official start date yet, but they are opening in the month of September. So get your memberships now. We're also sponsored by betonline.ag. Sign up for your 50% bonus now on betonline.ag. Week two of the NFL this week. Make your picks. Again, episode 408 of the podcast. We got a special one in the house today. You, uh, I don't know if you like to be called an Arizona legend or is legend too broad of a term? To legend, legend isn't too bad, uh, even though it's Latin for geezer. Oof. I don't know whether you knew that. No, I did not. Uh, yeah, and you geezer. can 
And we, and we can start with those kinds of lies. So now I know you'll believe anything I say. Yeah. Hi. <laughs> Did you say 400 and what? 408 episodes. Never realize, quit, Pat. Do you realize that in the talk show format, that's, that's 11 careers for people? Mm. That's amazing that you've been on the air that long. I told you I love doing this. Yeah, I love talking well, they to must people. love you too because you also made a great deal of money before you ever even introduced me. Oh, by the way, that hasn't happened yet. No, not at all. Okay, we're going to start. We're ready to rock and roll. Introduce man. me then. Pat McMahon in that's the house. Enough. That's it. A host of The God Show, Arizona <laughs> legend, you broadcaster, right. actor. Uh, yeah, and a yeah. guy who's had a really good time and continues to. Yeah, we, we were talking a little bit about your. Um, Distastement a little bit for both Howard Stern and Joe Rogan on radio. Uh, yeah, and not singling them out. Uh, I, I grant them. I mean, there's more? I grant them a wonderful opportunity to continue to do with their professional lives what they wanted to do. They decided this is the style I'm going to do. Mm. And uh, I just think that anybody uh, who drops his pants in front of the convent. Uh, and says, look, I got my name in the paper. Mm. Uh, you know, everybody's talking about me. Uh, anybody can do that. I think that Howard Stern, I think, is far beyond uh, that arena that is uh, the outrageousness, the uh, let me shock everybody and, and cause them to say, I wonder what he's going to do next. Uh, I love the idea of people saying, I wonder what he's going to talk about next. I wonder who he's going to interview next. I, I'm, I'm really on the edge of my seat because I want to really be involved with this conversation. Mm -hmm. But I don't, I don't think that crude comedy uh, is necessarily the highest level of communication, that's all. But listen to it and look at how successful, for crying out loud, enormously successful, but it doesn't mean that I have to like him. No, not at all. I think he's a phenomenal interviewer, and he pulls great answers based on the questions he's asked. Let me throw another name at you, Larry King. Is that someone that... Old and dead. Uh, Fair and uh, true. Facts. Larry King has been a guest on my show um, God, five or six times, I suppose. And uh, they did a roast at one of the ballrooms downtown. I think that they had one of those open areas on the calendar, uh -huh. and he said, let's roast McMahon. And they got Larry King, they being KTAR, because his show was on, his radio show was on KTAR uh, at the time. So I think there was probably a deal uh, made with uh, the only network talk show host that they had at the time. And, and he came out and... Uh, it was a great audience and a bunch of really terrific folks, funny folks. Yeah. Because if you're not funny in a roast, get out of town. Uh, if you just come on, for example, and do dirty stuff, it's, it's just not clever. Well, these were clever people. And uh, Larry King was the MC, But he, uh, as a guest... Uh, I, I can't really talk about Larry King in the last few years mm -hmm. because he was really up there in years. And look at who's talking about age. Uh, but, but he's a guy that really lived in 
a number of other eras, but when he was on as a guest and he was telling New York stories and he was talking about his childhood, he was funny, really clever. You ask him something about Sinatra? Well, maybe now Sinatra would not be the first major recording artist that people would come up with, but he's a legend. We're talking about somebody who did in his field uh, more than the vast majority of people who did uh, Vegas singing and recording artists and so on. Uh, no, there's a Sinatra, that's it. You have people who impersonate Sinatra. Uh, and uh, he was, he was a great storyteller. So in answer to your question about Larry King, uh, there, there are people that, uh, that do stories now, do talk shows uh, that I think are brilliantly clever. Uh, but we're here to talk about me. 100%. Jack I'm sorry. I don't, I, don't know what, I don't know what I'm thinking about, man. I mean, an O'Hara and a McMahon, uh, all we would have to do is talk about the beauty of Ireland, and we got the entire hour taken care of. Hank, do we have that picture of Pat? You, you mentioned roasts a few seconds ago. You did one a few years ago on St. Patty's Day, correct? Oh, that was, yeah, KTAR. <laughs> there it is. Was after, there you are. That was after Larry King passed away. Uh, <laughs> yes, and uh, that's not makeup. That's exactly how I look. Oh, yeah? You grew that out? On a daily basis, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, that was fun, because they did, uh, at a comedy club downtown, uh, did a roast with uh, local broadcasters, sports announcers, uh, people out of my past, and uh, uh, it, was, it was funny, so therefore it was fun. Yeah. The, the entire group was funny, and uh, the only... The only the only restriction that any of them had was don't just walk out and do a bunch of F-bombs. Mm -hmm. You know, that's not funny. No. Uh, but yeah, so if you have two or three different roasts that have been done uh, with you as the, uh, as the figure being roasted, that's pretty much of an honor. There were no comments that were too insulting or too. Oh, there's no such thing as too you insulting. So? Oh no, not too insulting. You can't get too insulting. Some of them were just, I mean, uh, savage. Yeah. Ripping intestinal parts out, but funny. That's the difference. Wow. So you got into showbiz when you were what five years old? I was born into you a born theatrical into act. Yeah. My, uh, my parents were on a tour of South America. They did a dance act. And um, they were on a tour of South America. And my mom noticed that her wardrobe was getting a little tight. And that was me. <laughs> and so they had to go back uh, to the United States to have me but, see, they could have had me in Rio or Buenos Aires or Paris because they traveled the world. Yeah. No. They went back to my mother's hometown, Leavenworth, Kansas. 
not just Kansas, could have been Wichita, uh, right? Could have been uh, any great part of the, the middle of America, the, the, the absolute basic element that makes America great, Kansas. Mm -hmm. No, she had to go back to her home in Leavenworth. Do you know what Leavenworth is? No, never is heard of it. Known only for one thing, the home of several prisons. And, and so when somebody says, where were you born? Usually I say the Middle West. Well, where in the Middle West? Kansas. Well, where in Kansas? Leavenworth. Oh, really? Was your mother doing time? Yeah. You know, did she give you a number instead of a name? And brilliant, clever material like that that I've lived with. Well, you, when you sent me the email, when I emailed you to reach out to come on the show, you're like, what do you want to discuss? My my 12-year imprisonment in the Albanian prison? And I'm like, what? And then you're just like, gotcha. I'm like, all right, I'm paying attention. But you notice I said Albanian prison. Yeah. There's a glamour to that anyway. <laughs> they went back to South America. I went with them. And then we traveled. I'd been in 50 states by the time I was 12. Wow. Uh, that's how much we traveled. And a number of countries. And I'll tell you, Jack... It was one hell of a childhood. Oh, my God. I can it, only imagine. Oh, it was absolutely marvelous. So when people would say, but you never had a house on the corner with the white picket fence and neighbors, and my reaction was, your point, <laughs> uh, because instead, we just traveled the world, and I got to see... Uh, comics and great musicians and uh, dancers and acrobats, yeah. aerial acts, yeah, all of those things uh, that maybe in your lifetime you get a chance to go and see once or twice if your parents have a special day at the circus or... Right. I mean, it shaped who you were at a very young age. You were talking to me before about, like, why do you do this? Why, like, is this your passion? What's your main goal out of all of this? Did you feel like being involved in that at a young age, like, you didn't really have a say in what you wanted to do, but you obviously still love doing it today because you're still doing a, a radio show. You're still with AZ Channel 7. Like, did, did you have, have you ever thought about doing anything else besides this? I guess is my question. The answer is no, because I can't do anything else. How do you know? Uh, because when I opened the hood of my car, the only thing I recognized are the spark plugs because yeah. they're a different color than the rest of the engine. Uh, I have no skills whatsoever uh, when it comes to carpentry. Uh, as an artist, my stick men are unrecognizable. Mm. Uh, so you, you, gotta, you gotta be honest with yourself. It wasn't a matter of falling back on something just because I had to make a living. I decided to make a living out of doing something that I really love doing, and that is entertainment. But there, then came a time when I thought, well, okay, wait a minute. I don't know that I necessarily want to live out of a suitcase all the time. I loved it. I loved traveling. I loved being in a trailer. I lived uh, most of my childhood uh, in a trailer because we didn't want to just go in, uh, into hotels and and never really having 
anything that was on it. So we got to have dinner at home, and our home consisted of a trailer, and we carried our home with us, hooked onto the car. Wow. Uh, yeah, no, it was terrific. So when I hear somebody use the phrase trailer trash, then I start getting annoyed because, no, that's me, excuse me. No, we would pull in uh, to a, uh, a trailer park, and if it was October or so on uh, into the fall, uh, my dad would say to my mom and me, so where do you want to spend the winter? Now, I mean, how many families get a chance to decide where they want to spend the winter? Most people get a chance to go on vacation. And we would say, oh, we were in Miami last year. Let's go to New Orleans. And, and that was my life. Uh, so I thoroughly enjoyed that part of travel. But after a while, uh, I had been uh, in, in one city for the longest period of time I'd ever spent. And that was, of all places, Des Moines, Iowa. Really? Yeah, because my, my mom and dad said, you've been homeschooled all this time. But if you're on the road, you can't really pick out a school to go to for a week and a half. Mm. And so I was homeschooled, and it was a system created for circus kids, Broadway kids, uh, military kids, that were on the road, and it was called correspondence courses at the time, homeschooling. And after a while, my mom and dad said, you know, you really ought to have the experience. I mean, it's not fair to you to not have the school experience of some kind. And you're about to be a freshman in high school. I had never Technically. been... Had never been. Had, well, actually, this was more than a technical education. Uh, the, the whole school system that sent these, uh, these packages out to families uh, had it down. So you had all the books, you had the daily guide, no matter who was teaching you. And uh, well, it was advanced enough that as a freshman in high school, uh, just after 12, now, not, not because I'm a prodigy, but the school methodology was that good. And uh, so Des Moines, Iowa, in the middle of the country, they said, uh, we'll send you to this Catholic boys' school, very much like Brophy. Uh, about the same number of students as Brophy, but there were 15 of us that were boarders. Mm. So I lived on campus. Another example of how my life was different yeah. than almost anybody's. I had never seen a blackboard. I had never been in a classroom in my life. And there I was in a town I'd never been in in my life, doing something I had never done, go to class, being taught by people I had never seen in my life, priests and sisters and lay teachers uh, in a... Uh, in a private school. Wow. And wow, it was. His four years, it was terrific. It was great fun. Now, were you a good student, or were you the class clown? Yes. So I feel like you pride yourself on humor. Uh, no, I, I, I did not 
do class clown stuff because to me that's interruptive. That's when you're jumping in right. to, to get laughs, to get noticed. Mm -hmm. uh, I was an actor, so I was on stage in all the school plays. Uh, so the performing part of it kind of was there for me. Um, uh, yeah, I was a good student because I had been taught very well uh, for those years that I was taught privately. And uh, I was the youngest kid in school. I was the littlest kid in school. And probably it occurs to you now, as an O'Hara, did you get picked on? No, I did not. I'm Irish. Yeah. Well, were you the littlest and the youngest kid in school? I was not. I am the oldest. Oh. I was big brother bear. Well, then please know that when you're, I think I, as I recall, I was something like four foot ten, 9,500 pounds, something like that. I mean, a really little guy that looked like he was maybe 11. Mm. So how do you think I did? How do you think I handled that? I'd love to unpack it more with you. I don't want to assume that you were bullied, but... Oh, there's always a bully around. Oh, for sure. And, who, do, and who does he pick on? The littlest kid, the youngest kid. The runt of the litter. Right. And so I think the sponsor of this program would appreciate, Mr. Mayweather, yes. would appreciate the fact that my... My father, because I didn't go to school, my father really didn't have a whole lot of background in baseball or football or basketball. We weren't anywhere near arenas or outdoor parks uh, where I could hone my skills. But he was a professional fighter before yeah. he ever got into show business. And so I grew up with Ring Magazine. I grew up listening before you could watch, listening to the Gillette Cavalcade of Sports, the Friday night fights. Oh, that, that was a must. And, and the fact that my dad uh, taught me how to box. Mm. And so, when you're bullied the first time, and if you respond by appearing to know what you're doing, uh, they leave you alone. I certainly wasn't frightening. I certainly wasn't a scary kid, but I was handy. Right. You knew how to handle yourself. Yeah. And yeah. you proved that. Yeah, but you don't have to do that very much. And <laughs> and I wasn't somebody who was going to pick on anybody else. No. Uh, from then on, it was uh, a good time at Bishop Dowling High School in Des Moines, Iowa. Uh, the longest I'd ever been by far uh, in any place in my life. Wow. And then I would, I would go home for vacations. Mm -hmm. Wow. And that's got to be a culture shock for you because you've never experienced anything like that. Most of those kids probably grew up, you know, in grade school leading up to... Oh, they went to the, parish, the parish schools. Yeah. Uh, the, the, uh, Des Moines is a capital city, so it's a pretty good size. Yeah. But, but Catholic parishes all over with their grade schools. And uh, absolutely, they went with buddies and the sophomores had been there through freshman year. And uh, so regardless, it was, uh, it was a matter of uh, 
how do I get along in this new environment? Yeah. And I found out, I found out how to have a good time, and uh, it was a very different kind of experience. I uh, I don't have troubles. I I don't I don't I don't ever think in terms of of uh, why did they leave me here? Mm -hmm. Why did they abandon me? Yeah. Uh, my reaction is almost always, well, what am I going to find out about this place that I had never seen before? Wow. And. I found out. Yeah. You live and you learn. Oh, my God. Well, I guess there's an element of survival there, isn't there? 100%. I think that's what brings out the best in you, too. Uh, you are competitive. I've always been competitive. But, not, again, not in order to shut you down. Right. Uh, so, no, high school was fun. Uh, college was fun. Also in Iowa, just down the road in a place called Davenport. It was part of the Quad Cities. Davenport, Rock Island, right on the Mississippi River, and uh, Illinois was over there, and Iowa was here, and uh, I was a theater major, broadcast minor, and one day, I simply said, one day, I'm going to be asked to be on the Jack O'Hara O Show, <laughs> and that will be then the zenith of my career. I read somewhere that you are John Patrick Michael McMahon. John Patrick Michael, is that Irish enough for John you? John Patrick O'Hara. Oh, get out, really? See, you know, there are a lot of people right now who are just getting gas. I, I don't mean at the gas station. I'm talking about, I'm talking about stomach problems, a little nausea, because they're saying, oh, for God's sakes, no. Not, not another one. <laughs> Isn't it enough that we have O'Hara here, and now he invites McMahon? That's right. I think there's a certain there's a certain fundamental pride to one's nationality, but I think that Ireland maybe has another level of personal pride. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. Some call it arrogance, uh, but uh, <laughs> no. I mean, first, have you ever been to Ireland? I have not. Oh, it's one Jack. of my dream spots. Dublin, I want to visit. That's probably one of my top three places I want to visit right now. Can we do a little part of the show about Ireland? 100%. Let's go. Okay. 100% of the show? Yeah. You got it, baby. It's Listen, all on you now. Been there many, many times. Absolutely crazy about every part of the country. But the country is only 300 miles long and 150 miles wide. Yeah. It's just a tiny little speck in the ocean that when I saw it for the first time, it was from the air, and I woke up, I looked down, and still water, still the ocean. I wonder when we're going to get there. Boom. Boom. Oh, all of a sudden, the cliffs. These cliffs hit me, and then on top of the cliffs, are a, it was a green that was comparable only to Oz. I had never seen it other than in uh, the Wizard of Oz movie. That, right. that kind of emerald green. And I stopped and did a take. And I said, that looks artificial. It looks like a set designer 
made that. And we landed. I went about discovering everything I possibly could about Ireland. I, uh, I stopped to take a picture. There was nobody around this home. And a lovely little lawn in front was a thatched roof cottage. And I'd only seen them in the movies. And... Look something like that. Well, yeah. Oh, <laughs> see, now, that's, that's, that's the kind of power you have on the O show. You can just all of a sudden look up, and you can bring to your audience a picture of what I just described. Yep. So I can only imagine, and boom, there it is. Now, if you have that same thatched roof hut, I'll really be impressed. <laughs> but meanwhile, while your staff of 160 is looking for a thatched roof hut, I stood outside and I thought, I gotta take a picture of this. And I'm not a big photographer, right? Guy, but I gotta take a picture of this. I'd never seen a real, honest to God cottage whose roof was made out of grass. And as I held up the camera, the door opened. And an elderly man that looked like a leprechaun walked out and said, so what are you doing out there all by yourself? I said, well, I'm just walking through, sir. I'm terribly sorry. I, I didn't see anybody here that I could ask permission uh, to take, because I don't like people just all of a sudden oh, right, taking right, pictures right. of you and them and the store uh, and the person on the street. And he said, no, 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 no. I don't mind at all. But why don't you come in, have a pint with me, and I'll tell you the story of the house, and then you'll know what the hell you're taking a picture of. And that was my first real Irishman. Oh, my God. That I, I met. believe it. And I went in, and we had a couple of pints of Guinness, and, uh, and he told me about the history and his family. And that's the kind of hospitality yeah. that exists all over Ireland. You said you want to see Dublin, please do. It's a great, great, extraordinary city. It is a city that was built on art, theater, poetry, uh, the artists of the world either are attracted to Ireland or they come from Ireland. Yeah. I mean, there's so many great places to... But go outside. Yeah, please. Really outside? Yeah, spend, spend a few days in Dublin. But then get out of the city and go see the countryside and stop in a pub in a little town at a little village that you've never heard of in your life. I promise you there will be a pub. <laughs> and go in and appear to be happy that you're there because yeah. then everybody will say, Hey, listen, send a pint over to him. Wow. Okay, let it be on me. That's all right. Because the, the hospitality is everywhere. It is a single product that comes out of that country, wherever you are. They want to invite you into the house as long as you appear to be enjoying yourself. Yeah. That's amazing. That, that's the hospitality I think that everybody should kind of want to endure and have. I grew up in Jersey, right oh, outside Manhattan. Oh, you don't have that hospitality. Oh, no, no, no. 
No, hospitality there is put down your knife. Yeah. You think you're better than me? Just bump into them? I, I, always, I always feel sorry for people who are Jerseyites because they are met with the same expression every time they say, I'm from New Jersey. And everybody responds to that with, oh. We're the butt of every joke. Oh, I'm terribly sorry. Well, it's the butt of every joke because it's the butt of the United States. And I 100% agree with that fact. It is the worst place I've ever been in my life. Really? Because, well, from Newark, or from, from uh, New York, in order to get from New York to New Jersey, you have to go through uh, Newark. Oh, it's yeah. a horrible, horrible city. If you're in Philadelphia, in order to go to New Jersey, you have to go through Camden, second in its horribleness, only to Newark. But there are beautiful places on the shore, beautiful places uh, that are beachside, that folks never see because they get to Newark and say, no, thank you, and they turn around and go back to New York. Southern Jersey is a little different. I got to give them credit. I don't want to trash Jersey too hard because if my parents are listening to this, they're never going to forgive me. But, yeah, it's not for everybody. Mr. and Mrs. O'Hara listen to the show. I hope they do. They're my parents. Are they, they in New Jersey? Supporting. They are. Okay, where? Where in New Jersey? Uh, Northern New Jersey. You ever heard of Morristown? Excuse me just a second. Morristown. Oh. <laughs> uh, so, so you've been in Arizona for now most of your life. Like you talked about I, being in... I got here in 1960. Yeah, you talked about I, being in Iowa, but then you moved here, and you've been here ever since. Yeah. So uh, what, what clicked here? Arizona. Yeah. Uh, okay. The, the brief story, since I haven't told any brief stories so far. <laughs> uh, the brief story. Uh, I got out of the Army after a couple of years. I had been drafted, and in the Army, I was, I was saving your family, even the ones in Morristown, from being overrun by the Huns. Uh, in fact, what I did in the Army was singing and dancing my way across America because I was in special services. I was in show business again in an entertainment group that did nothing but travel the United States. And uh, if, if people right now are getting mad at me for having a fun life, hey, I'm terribly sorry. I wouldn't trade it for anything. Uh, but so I got out of the Army after two years. And uh, a buddy said, so where are you going? I said, well, I'm going to New York. He said, well, stay out of New Jersey. I said, oh, no, no, we did New Jersey. I said, I said I, I'm going to go to New York because... Uh, I'm a broadcaster. I had done radio and television before being drafted. And, and uh, I said, uh, that's where broadcasters go in order to make their fortune. I didn't have a job. Right. But somehow, maybe because I'm Irish, never occurred to me that I wouldn't get one. So I said, I'm on my way to New York. And he said, well, do you have to go right away? I mean, because, boy, you're just all of a sudden slamming into the the career uh, uh, seeking the job and finding the career after the military, that's, that's a full-time job in itself. I said, well, where are you going? He said, I'm going to Phoenix, Arizona. We were in Colorado. I'm going to Phoenix, Arizona, just because it's May, May of 1960. I mean, the most beautiful part of the year. I said, what's there? He said, swimming pools. He said, just a place to shake the khaki on. And I said, oh, 
okay, wait a minute, hold on. So why don't I go and just spend a few weeks, maybe a couple of months. Nobody's waiting for me in New York. So I drove down here. And as I got, there was only I-17 at the time. Mm -hmm. And as I got closer to the town, the city, I thought, man, this is, this is pretty. This is really a nice looking town. Nowhere near as big as it is now. Right. And the weather, oh my God, roll the windows down. And what's that I smell? And it was the desert flowers. Got here, rented a house, and here's, Here's one you're going to have a hard time believing. There's a television set that went with the house. And uh, so I decided I'm going to stay for a month. Turned the television set on. And the first show that I saw was the Wallace and Landmouth show. No way, really? The show that I spent 30 years with after that. That was on, and when I turned it on, the theme song it was different music then, but the theme song of the Wallace and Landmo show. And I thought, oh, God, no, not one of those sappy kid shows. I hate these things because there's always some guy that they got out of the sales department that has never entertained anybody in his life. He comes out, puts a sock on his hand with a couple of eyes drawn on because there's no budget for the show. Yep. And they do this with no entertainment in mind, no act, no material, and it's boring, and, it, and it's insulting to kids. And then Wall and Ladd started talking, and they started, they started doing a routine about the sales department and how insulting the sponsors felt they had been to their approach to the clients when they were doing uh, commercials. Wow. And I thought, wait, I've never seen anything like this before. <laughs> Fell in love with the show, decided to stay for a couple of years, and it turned into whatever number of years from 1960. Wow. Yeah. I was going to say, something must have changed. What was your favorite character on that show? Oh, Gerald. Oh, Gerald. I mean, that was the pivotal one. The, yeah, and I mean, you're too young to have seen the show when it was live, but uh, Gerald... Uh, Lord, little Lord Fauntleroy Bratt, uh, extremely privileged kid, uh, straight A's in school, which is fine, except he reminded everybody else that he got straight A's. Uh, lying, cheating, miserable uh, little guy, 12 years old, and I loved it because we got a chance to say things yeah. that you would normally never hear on a kid's show. Not crude, not crude stuff, but... He was a bad guy. Yeah. And it's fun playing the villain. It really is. Like, in my brief acting experience throughout college, like, I feel like I'd rather play the bad guy than a good guy. Oh, you always get better lines. Yeah. And you can showcase a side of you that, like, you know, you could use anything and be like, all right, I, I have an excuse to be a villain in this <laughs> situation. Yeah, no, it was, and it was fun. And when you did personal appearances, I mean, there had to be, uh, security police around Gerald at all times yeah. because an 11 year old can do real damage to you uh, <laughs> and they wanted to get after Gerald beyond anything you could possibly imagine now it, hypothetically you probably wouldn't want to today but if you were offered a role such as that something that could be 
quote-unquote offensive to someone or controversial playing a villain of that stature. If, it was, well, it? if it was well-written. Well-written, well-scripted. Oh, oh, in a minute, sure. Really? No, I've, I've, I've really rarely ever had time to do a play because the rehearsal time uh, is immense. Uh, and uh, it would be fun to do the show, but if you have to rehearse for weeks before the show, that's, that's difficult, that and having a career. Uh, but uh, I've done a few films, most of them just dreadful, uh, and uh, a couple of them were villainous. Yeah. And that was probably one of the reasons why I took the job. Oh, yeah. It's, it's exciting, I feel Absolutely. like. Absolutely. And I got a chance to play, somebody told me, 105 or 106 characters on the show over the 30 years uh, that I was on the show. So I could never get tired of doing a character. There are people listening now here in the Valley. Now, understand, Jack, the, the series that are on for a year, they're renewed for a second season. Wow. And a third season, well, this will go on forever. Well, nope. when, you're talk, when you're talking about this, it, it was 30 years for me, and they had been on for six years before that. And it was incredible fun all the time. People who are listening right now who dated back to that period of time uh, are saying, even after the show has been off for 31 years, it went off the air in 1990, and there are people who remember the lines, they remember characters, they remember bits. And it's the same thing that we were talking about before. If you're funny, it doesn't matter what the character is. If it's funny, they'll remember now let me ask you this, to kind of piggyback on that. This will be the last thing I ask you. I don't want to take too much of your time. Oh, here. I'm terribly sorry. You're a busy guy. No, but I have four hours of material left. <laughs> hey, I, I can ask, ask Hank to keep the video rolling. Ask you who? Ask Hank. Hank. Hank and Zach. These are the guys that make the show run in. I give them a lot of crap, but they do a lot. Oh. That's going to be their one compliment of the month. Yeah. I throw them a bone every Robin, once. Robin is the technical director for and my Robin show. Is. I've never insulted Robin once. Yeah, don't. She'll just get up and walk away. No, first she'll hurt you, then she'll walk away. So what's the, the last question before this, the ending of my first appearance on The Ocean? That is correct. We will definitely be having you in studio moving forward. <laughs> but to kind of piggyback on what you were saying and what we're talking about, you know, playing a villain, playing something, that's not quite controversial, but, like, if you were to do it in this day and age, it would be different. As an interviewer, as a broadcaster, you've interviewed... Many people, you know, a young Steven Spielberg, you know, many legends in Arizona alike, too. And from every facet of, of celebrity. I've been yeah. extremely fortunate at being able to be in the same studio with the best of the best. And to tie the knot, you know, we started this interview talking about the Howard Stearns and the Joe Rogans and how they have just a different approach that, again, like, <laughs> yes. is this You can listen to them. I don't have to. Would you ever, you know, hypothetically, not that it would ever happen, but if you were in the studio one day and you get a call from O.J. Simpson's pub publicist, is like he, he wants to do an interview to talk about what happened and his thoughts in on a everything. Minute. Really? Oh, in a, in a minute. Because some people might look at that and be like, wow, that's a huge interview, but other people are looking well, at then it like don't you might listen, be glorifying then don't listen murder. to my show. Don't right. listen to the show. I have so many questions for O.J. Simpson. Exactly. Listen, I've had... I've had the Klan director on of a Ku Klux Klan wow. unit. I have had 
uh, racists even beyond the Klan. Uh, I've had uh, people that you would say are the absolute lowest level of humanity. They were on for a reason, though. And the reason was, I want you in the audience to know these people. Don't, don't just say, well, I, I don't like these people because you heard something about them. No, I'm asking the questions, and you listen to their answers, and you decide what you think of them. I love that. OJ, is he available? I hope so. Book that would be one of the guys I'd want. But yeah, but now I get him first because you asked me. Well, you, you call dibs. I get it. No, but I had a roommate ask me that the other day, and I'm like, O.J. Simpson, like, initial reaction, yes. Like, some people might say you're glorifying a murderer, but like... How are you glorifying him by asking the questions that people want to know? You yeah. want to know who my favorite guest was in my entire career? I hope you say yes, because it's the antithesis of O.J. Simpson and the Klan. Who's Mother that? Teresa. Really? Yeah. Wow. You can't get any better than a saint. She's got a great personality, too. And she was a terrific dancer. Wow. But again, like, I got so many things I'd want to ask you, man. Like, there's so many things I want to thank you for being gracious enough to come into the studio. You got the God Show here on the network. Yes, You, you thank record you. on Tuesdays, right? So this is the second time you're in this Yeah, week? but it's heard on Sundays uh, and then forever. And then forever, that's right. But uh, this was episode 408 of the podcast, ladies and gentlemen, with Pat McMahon. Again, it's been a pleasure. We're going to have to do this again sometime. Uh, Got to wrap up, though. This episode was sponsored by Mayweather Boxing and Fitness. You got two more weeks to sign up for a membership. And again, betonline.ag. There you go. That, that is impressive. That is great content. Did we get that? Uh, <laughs> betonline.ag. NFL Week 2. Get your picks in. Episode 408. Zach, hit the clues. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.